The Last Battle by C.S. Lewis Chapter 10 Who Will Go Into the Stable Jill felt something tickling her ear. It was Jewel the Unicorn whispering to her with the wide whisper of a horse's mouth. As soon as she heard what he was saying, she nodded and tiptoed back to where Puzzle was standing. Quickly and quietly, she cut the last cords that bound the lion skin to him. It wouldn't do for him to be caught with that on, after what the ape had said. She would like to have hidden the skin somewhere very far away, but it was too heavy. The best she could do was to kick it in among the thickest bushes. Then she made signs to Puzzle to follow her, and they both joined the others. The ape was speaking again. After a horrid thing like that, Aslan Tashlan is angrier than ever. He says he's been a great deal too good to you, coming out every night to be looked at, see? Well, he's not coming out anymore. Howls and mewlings and squeals and grunts were the animal's answers to this. But suddenly, a quite different voice broke in with a loud laugh. Hark what the monkey says, it shouted. We know why he isn't going to bring his precious Aslan out. I'll tell you why. Because... He hasn't got him. He never had anything except an old donkey with a lion's skin on its back. Now he's lost that, and he doesn't know what to do. Tyrion could not see the faces on the other side of the fire very well, but he guessed this was Griffel, the chief dwarf, and he was quite certain of it when, a second later, all the dwarves' voices joined in singing, Don't know what to do! Don't know what to do! Don't know what to do, ooh, ooh. Silence, thundered Rishta Tarkane. Silence, children of mud. Listen to me, you other Narnians, lest I give command to my warriors to fall upon you with the edge of the sword. The Lord Shift has already told you that wicked ass. Do you think because of him that there is no real Tashlan in the stable? Do you? Beware, beware. No, no, shouted most of the crowd. But the dwarf said, That's right, Darky, you've got it. Come on, monkey, show us what's in the stable, seeing is believing. When next there was a moment's quiet, the ape said, You dwarves think you're very clever, don't you? But not so fast. I never said you couldn't see Tashlin. Anyone who likes can see him. The whole assembly suddenly became quiet. Then... After nearly a minute, the bear began in a slow, puzzled voice. I don't quite understand all this, it grumbled. I thought you said... You thought, repeated the ape, as if anyone could call what goes on in your head thinking. Listen, you others, anyone can see Tashlin, but he's not coming out. You have to go in and see him. Thank you, thank you, thank you said dozens of voices. That's what we wanted. We can go in and see him face to face. And now we'll be kind and it will all be as it used to be. And the birds chattered and the dogs barked excitedly. Then suddenly there was a great stirring and a noise of creatures rising to their feet. And in a second, a whole lot of them would have been rushing forward and trying to crowd into the stable door all together. But the ape shouted, Get back! Quiet! Not so fast! The beasts stopped 
many of them with one paw in the air, many with tails wagging, and all of them with heads on one side. I thought you said, began the bear, but Shift interrupted. Anyone can go in, he said, but one at a time. Who will go first? He didn't say he was feeling very kind. He's been licking his lips a lot since he swallowed up the wicked king the other night. He's been growling a good deal this morning. I wouldn't much like to go into that stable myself tonight. Just as you please. Who'd like to go in first? Don't blame me if he swallows you whole or blasts you into a cinder with the mere terror of his eyes. That's your affair. Now then, who's first? What about one of you dwarves? Dilly Dilly, come and be killed, sneered Griffle. How do we know what you've got in there? Ho ho, cried the ape. So you're beginning to think there's something there, eh? Well, all you beasts were making noise enough a minute ago. What struck you all dumb? Who's going in first? But the beasts all stood looking at one another and began backing away from the stable. Very few tails were wagging now. The ape waddled to and fro, jeering at them. Ho, 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 he chuckled. I thought you were all so eager to see Tashlin face to face. Changed your mind, eh? Tyrion bent his head to hear something that Jill was trying to whisper in his ear. What do you think is really inside the stable? She said. Who knows, said Tyrion. Two calamin with drawn swords, as likely as not, one on each side of the door. You don't think, said Jill, it might be, you know, that horrid thing we saw? Dash himself, whispered Tyrion. There's no knowing but courage, child. We are all between the paws of the true Aslan. Then a most surprising thing happened. Ginger the cat said in a cool, clear voice, not at all as if he was excited, I will go in if you like. Every creature turned and fixed his eyes on the cat. Mac their subtlety, sir, said Poggin to the king. This cursed cat is in the, on the plot, in the very centre of it. Whatever is in the stable will not hurt him. I'll be bound. Then Ginger will come out again and say that he has seen some wonder. But Tyrion had no time to answer him. The ape was calling the cat to come forward. Ho, ho, said the ape. So you, a pert purse, will look upon him face to face. Come on then, I'll open the door for you. Don't blame me if he scares the whiskers off your face. It's your affair. And the cat got up and came out of its place in the crowd, walking primly and daintily with its tail in the air, not one hair on its sleek coat out of place. It came on till it had passed the fire and was so close that Tyrion, from where he stood with his shoulder against the end wall of the stable, could look right into its face. Its big green eyes never blinked. Cool as a cucumber, muttered Eustace. It knows it has nothing to fear. The ape, chuckling and making faces, shuffled across beside the cat, put out his paw, drew the bolt, and opened the door. Tyrion thought he could hear the cat purring as it walked into the dark doorway. Horrible caterwaul you ever heard made everyone jump. 
You have been wakened yourself by cats quarreling or making love on the roof in the middle of the night. You know the sound. This was worse. The ape was knocked head over heels by Ginger coming back out of the stable at top speed. If you had not known he was a cat, you might have thought he was a ginger-colored streak of lightning. He shot across the open grass, back into the crowd. No one wants to meet a cat in that state. You could see animals getting out of his way to left and right. He dashed up a tree, whisked round, and hung head downward. His tail was bristled out till it was nearly as thick as his whole body. His eyes were like saucers of green fire. Along his back, every single hair stood on end. I'd give my beard, whispered Poggin, to know whether that brute is only acting or whether it has really found something in there that frightened it. Peace, friend, said Tyrion, for the captain and the ape were also whispering, and he wanted to hear what they said. He did not succeed except that he heard the ape once more whimpering. My head, my head. But he got the idea that those two were almost as puzzled by the cat's behavior as himself. No, Ginger, said the captain. Enough of the noise. Tell them what thou hast seen. <coughs> Screamed the cat. Art thou not called a talking beast? Said the captain. Then hold thy devilish noise and talk. What followed was rather horrible. Tyrion felt quite certain, and so did the others, that the cat was trying to say something. Nothing came out of his mouth except the ordinary, ugly cat noises you might hear from any angry or frightened old Tom in the backyard in England. And the longer he caterwauled, the less like a talking beast he looked. Uneasy whimperings and little sharp squeals broke out from among the other animals. Look, look, said the voice of the bear. It can't talk. It is forgotten how to talk. It's gone back to being a dumb beast. Look at its face. Everyone saw that it was true, and then the greatest terror of all fell upon those Narnians. For every one of them had been taught, when only a chick or a pup or a cub, how Aslan at the beginning of the world had turned the beasts of Narnia into talking beasts and warned them that if they weren't good, they might one day be turned back again and be like the poor, witless animals one meets in other countries. And now it's coming upon us, they moaned. Mercy, mercy, wailed the beasts. Spare us, Lord Shift. Stand between us and Avalon. You must always go in and speak to him for us. We daren't, we daren't. Ginger disappeared further up into the tree. No one ever saw him again. Tyrion stood with his hand on his sword hilt and his head bowed. He was dazed with the horrors of that night. Sometimes he thought it would be best to draw his sword at once and rush upon the Calamines. Then, next moment, he thought it would be better to wait and see what new turn affairs might take. And now, a new turn came. My father, came a clear, ringing voice from the left of the crowd. Tyrion knew at once that it was one of the Calamines speaking. For in the Tisrock's army, the common soldiers call the officers, my master, but the officers call their senior officers, my father. 
Jill and Eustace didn't know about this, but after looking this way and that, they saw the speaker, for of course people at the sides of the crowd were easier to see than people in the middle, where the glare of the fire made all beyond it look rather black. He was young and tall and slender, and even rather beautiful in the dark, haughty, calamine way. My father, he said to the captain, I also desire to go in. Peace, Enith, said the captain. Who called thee to counsel? Does it become a boy to speak? My father, said Enith, truly I am younger than thou, yet I also am of the blood of the Tarkanes, even as thou art, and I also am the servant of Tash. Therefore, silence, said Rishtar Tarkane. Am I not thy captain? Thou hast nothing to do with this stable. It is for the Narnians. Nay, my father, answered Emeth, thou hast said that their Aslan and Artash are all one, and if that is truth, then Tash himself is in yonder. And how then sayest thou that I have nothing to do with him? For gladly would I die a thousand deaths if I might look once on the face of Tash. Thou art a fool and understandeth nothing, said Rishda Tarkane. These are high matters. Emeth's face grew sterner. Is it then not true that Tash and Aslan are all one? He asked. Has the ape lied to us? Of course they're all one, said the ape. Swear it, ape, said Emeth. Oh dear, whimpered Shef. I wish you'd all stop bothering me. My head does ache. Yes, yes, I swear it. Then, my father, said Emeth, I am utterly determined to go in. Fool, began Rishda Tarkane, but at once the dwarfs began shouting, Come in, Darky. Why don't you let him in? Why do you let Narnians in and keep your own people out? What have you got in there that you don't want your own men to meet? Tyrion and his friends could only see the back of Rishda Tarkane, so they never knew what his face looked like as he shrugged his shoulders and said, Bear witness all that I am guiltless of this young fool's blood. Get thee in, rash boy, and make haste. Then, just as Ginger had done, Emeth came walking forward into the open strip of grass between the bonfire and the stable. His eyes were shining, his face very solemn, his hand was on his sword hilt, and he carried his head high. Jill felt like crying when she looked at his face, and Jewel whispered in the king's ear, By the lion's mane, I almost love this young warrior, Calamine though he may be. He is worthy of a better god than Tash. I do wish we knew what was really inside there, said Eustace. Emeth opened the door and went in, into the black mouth of the stable. He closed the door behind him. Only a few moments passed, but it seemed longer before the door opened again. A figure in Calamine armor reeled out, fell on its back, and lay still. The door closed behind it. The captain leaped toward it and bent down to stare at its face. He gave a start of surprise. Then he recovered himself and turned to the crowd, crying out, The rash boy has had his will. He has looked on Tash and is dead. Take warning, all of you. We will, we will, said the poor beasts. But 
Tyrion and his friends stared first at the dead Kellermine and then at one another, for they, being so close, could see what the crowd, being further off and beyond the fire, could not see. This dead man was not Enoch. He was quite different, an older man, thicker and not so tall, with a big beard. Ho, 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 chuckled the ape. Any more? Anyone else want to go in? Well, as you're all shy, I'll choose the next. You, you boy, come on. Drive him up, Calamines. He shall see Teslin face to face. Oomph, grunted the boar, rising heavily to his feet. Come on, then. Try my tusks. Then Tyrion saw that brave beast getting ready to fight for its life. The Calamine soldiers beginning to close in on him with their drawn scimitars, and no one going to its help. Something seemed to burst inside him. He no longer cared if this was the best moment to interfere or not. Swords out, he whispered to the others. Arrows on string, follow. Next moment, the astonished Narnian saw seven figures leap forth in front of the stable, four of them in shining mail. The king's sword flashed in the firelight as he waved it above his head and cried in a great voice, Here stand I, Tyrion of Narnia, in Aslan's name, to prove with my body that Tash is a foul fiend, the ape, a manifold traitor, and these calamines worthy of death. To my side, all true Narnians, would you wait till your new masters have killed you all, one by one?